Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, weavers of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorn and Bone Daddy as your hosts, we wish to help you as players and game masters, or as we say, story weavers, for the aspiring to the veteran with questions, ideas, and interviews for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. So grab a beverage, sit with us, and remember, steal everything and have fun. This episode, we have a special guest with over 20 years of D&D and Warhammer experience, a skilled terrain builder, painter, and sculptor with an ever-growing TikTok following. Please welcome more Drunken Blade. Thanks for coming on, boss. Hey, thank you for uh, having me, actually. It's quite enjoyable. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've been watching a lot of your uh, TikTok videos. Uh, just recently, I saw your barn uh, scratch build with the uh, the removable top with the the, the interior, uh, I, I'm I'm amazed by your skill. I, I am terrible. My minis are painted with one solid color. Uh, that's all I've got for artistic. <laughs> yep, me too. <laughs> My minis are all painted with a solid color as well. Mine mine are the color of plastic or metal. They don't get painted. <laughs> I have plenty of those. <laughs> so. Uh, as a first question, how did you get into the, the terrain building and, and painting? Was it because of uh, D&D and Warhammer, or were you already? I think for the most part, you know, I, I started back in 78, 79 playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons, and we pretty much, you know, we used shoeboxes and books and stuff like that and never really explored that. It wasn't until probably I started playing Warhammer and actually building terrain for um, a couple of stores that I was like, you know, this is fun and enjoyable. And some of the local shops um, that had picked me up to do some of their terrain, I had already been doing some stuff already on my own. Mm -hmm. um, but back in 2002, um, I did a, I, I entered one of the um, like golden demon kind of things. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was called then. Um, I thought it was 2001, but I researched it, it was 2002. And um, I, I got an honorable mention for my terrain and stuff. And people were asking me about, you know, how do I do it? Well, back then we were just using cork and, and, and some limited styrofoam and, and things like that. Um, but I continued to do it and I fell in love with just building terrain. Um, painting minis has never been my, my thing, but in building terrain, I think that um, I take also the uh, theater of the mind, but I place it in front of you as well. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things that that my uh, players really uh, get into. Well, that, that brings me to an interesting question. Uh, as far as uh, between a, a map and theater of the mind, because you said you use kind of a, a hybrid, um, can you tell the, the audience a little bit of how you, you do that, that, uh, hybrid? Cause we usually have the argument of like, oh no, having a map is definitely better. Cause I get to see where my pieces are or, you know, theater of the mind. Cause I don't really have to worry about it. What's your, your take on that? Well, <clears throat> being an old school player, um, and developing the, um, theater of the mind, um, those types of things have been kind of ingrained in me for a long time and telling stories and being able to weave those stories. Um, and we had, you know, again, back in the day, we just had um, some scratch paper or if we we're lucky, lucky enough to get some um, hex paper or something like that. Um, but what I thought was imaginative and fun for the individuals, especially stepping into think games like um, uh, Mordeheim and uh, those smaller kind of, of games, 
um, building the terrain and actually really kind of getting into uh, the movement um, and how you had line of sight. Um, I have plenty of, you know, big, uh, large hex mats that we still, I still use to this day for, you know, doing simple things. But when we come into something, um, I'm working on uh, Mines of uh, Fendelver right now and all of the, um, uh, you know, everything in it, basically, I'm going to recreate some, some of the caverns I won't because I already have cavern pieces. But when you, for me and the way I describe things and the way I have my characters look at things, <clears throat> I have to use a multitude of different uh, media to do that. Mm -hmm. And having sometimes, you know, that, that single piece of terrain out on the board and having a map um, in a dungeon, sometimes really, for my players anyway, and for myself, it really brings it more to life. And I see an interaction within the players also that they really become more their character. And mm -hmm. they kind of start to dive into you know, I guess what some people will call the silly parts of being, you know, role-playing in D&D in which we actually assume that character for a moment. And that's the experience for three hours I, I, I kind of want to bring into my campaigns is that I don't care what you come dressed up in and 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 how you're acting in there. It's a safe environment. It's an all-inclusive environment. Sure. And here's just another aspect of how I do it. That's awesome. Yeah, I I just recently saw uh, also on your on your TikTok the uh, the dreadnought gazebo, uh, and that yes. that got some 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 juices flowing for the for yeah. our current campaign right now where uh, we kind of bounce back and forth between the material plane and the Feywild, and so I, it it might I, pop up. <laughs> now, now, when uh when I first started talking with you on TikTok, it was about a video that you had posted that talked about you had two groups come to you because they had lost their dm because yeah. um what i'm assuming was that they were going to stop supporting watsi because of the whole ogl thing yeah. and now that it's it's been walked back i mean honestly i agreed with you completely uh it was it's I, i'm an old school player too been playing since you know the 80s early 90s and the way that everything went with the ogl it kind of it, it really I don't know. It almost hurt my feelings, really. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, I grew up with this game, and uh, I was wondering what you think now that they've walked it back, and what you're hearing from like your players and your community of how they feel about it. Are they, are they still kind of hurt about it, or are they going to start supporting again? Well, you know, I I think I have I think I have a take from this that's a little different than the norm. And when I say the norm, I'm only meaning that in respect to what I've seen, what I have seen specifically online. Um, when we talk about my players and the individuals <clears throat> that I'm in most close, close contact with, those individuals, I would probably say a good 80% of them had no idea what was going on. And I think that's reflective within the community because there, I read um, recently um that it was again something like 80 something percent of people <clears throat> all the people who played dungeons and dragons whether it be online or in person had no idea what this was or was going on so the phenomena that occurred for me was that i respect the rights of individuals to uh do what they need to do um support what they need to support um i support third-party content i always have i love it i love um those different types of things um 
but playing D&D for so long, yeah, it hurt my feelings too. Um, that both sides, both Watsi, uh, the Hasbro, um, kind of shamed themselves um, and, and did this to the community. And on the other side, again, some of the reactions we were getting online um, and just a couple of the people that I know in person, I get what they're saying and I respect what they're saying. And it's not my position to say they're wrong or they're right. That's their position. My position on it was I was going to hold out and wait until everything really kind of went down. Um, just two weeks ago or so, when I guess we were maybe like in the midst of this thing, you had individuals online, you know, throwing their books away and, and um, that, that stung. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I heard, I did not see, and I have never seen a video of this, but of individuals burning their books. But the fact of the matter is, is that you have the right to play any game you want. Mm -hmm. And in respect to the individual DMs that decided they were going to drop their groups, or basically they gave them an ultimatum, play Pathfinder, or um, I'm not going to DM for you anymore, and then did not give them an alternative. Um, because those nine people, the two different groups, those nine people didn't know anything about what was going on until all of a sudden uh, their DM um, dropped them. And I thought that was doing more harm than good in the community. Right. Even if I decided myself to go to a different um, RPG, it is my responsibility and it will always be my, be my responsibility, whether being a GM or a DM, to make sure that I promote um, RPGs in general. I don't care what you play. I don't. Yeah. I prefer D&D, &D, but I don't care what people play. But to just tell somebody and, and never have any contact with them after that, saying either you're going to play this or I'm not going to DM for you, that... And I wondered how it would echo throughout uh, the community. And you saw on some of the posts, um, I did get a few trolls and things like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that once I explained the premise of what I was saying, I think most people kind of, you know, I don't have a percentage or anything, but I think most people kind of said the same thing. It didn't seem fair. It didn't seem, it just didn't sit well with some people. It didn't sit well with me. It, and yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. I, I do realize that as third our third party content creators, um, we tend to look at this stuff a little differently. Uh, we did have a long conversation about it when it was all going on. We were going to stick with 5e. We were going to play 5e. We were just, we just were not going to buy any more material. Um, mm -hmm. We're not, we weren't burning our books. We, that, that stuff costs money, man. That stuff's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I am not burning. Yeah, I, I, have a, I have a little bit of it. <laughs> exactly. So um, I don't know. It's just what the way you talked about it and you had such a heartfelt statement. It really caught my attention and we were actually all together when when i started talking to you about it and it, it it really meant a lot that you know somebody was in there because yeah 80 percent of the people did not know about this and i agree with you i think that if, if you're a, a, a gm a story weaver uh, a dm anything if you give your players an ultimatum like that and then you just cut off contact man that's i think he had more personal problems than anything else because that's not right right right, right. And to my knowledge, I only actually know one of the DMs, um, and I'm, I have to say we don't really have the best friendship. To, but um, the fact of the matter is, is that um, 
he was trying to set up a third party content kind of creation thing and and getting some uh of his personal dungeons and stuff like that printed and and i you know i'm not going to go into that but um so i did understand i just didn't yeah. understand i understand what he was saying i just didn't understand the way he reacted and you've seen now we've gone back two weeks let's go back a week um it pulled back you saw less and less content about it on all um uh media you know not media but um social media networks you saw less content being pulled back then you saw the driving force you know not too long ago about oh we won we won we won um i i i personally don't believe it's a win i i don't um i think it's a tempered solution um to a much greater problem that um for the most part i mean they did it with magic i mean they, they did basically the same idiotic move to magic the gathering and um that's my community as well um yeah and i mean you i don't know the exact numbers i've seen as high as twenty thousand people um had canceled their subscriptions to dnd beyond um i don't know if that number is true or not um i i i just don't know um and whether or not they'll ever actually re release the actual numbers i don't know um but i do know that um or i've been told that um, they, an individual who the, who decided they were going to <clears throat> cancel their subscription, and then went back on to get their subscription back, didn't get the materials that they had originally purchased because they had to sign up for a new account. So that didn't just hurt Watsi; that hurt them as well. Yeah. So if that's twenty thousand people, yeah, that's a lot. a lot. Yeah, and that digital content because I I do most of mine digital. Um, that digital mm -hmm. content is almost just as expensive as buying the like books just a little cheaper but i still drop a lot of money on them so not receiving if i were to cancel my subscription not receive my content back i would also be very irritated <laughs> like just it's terrible okay now i i do i do think that this needed to be talked about um i understand that the, this whole thing with the ogl and stuff is just like beating a dead horse but on to lighter subjects because Again, we play a game and we have fun with this. This has been a lifelong thing for me. Uh, let's let's get to some lighter questions. Uh, and this is something we and this is something we do ask all of our 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 interviewees is: Do you remember your first character? Um, my first character was nothing more than a human fighter, a male human fighter. Yeah, same. Um, it was a character <laughs> that was given. It was a character that was given to me um there were i believe three of us that played um um an old friend of mine i think we it was just the end of junior high school i think about that time um in the summer i was at traditional school so we had three months off during the summertime and i, I don't know really how it happened that we started playing i just know that this individual um had books um i had known you know my little group since you know we all grew up together and we just started playing i mean we just came off of uh stuff like star wars was just released and things like that and and we always had we were you know i we were nerds you know we were nerds when nerds weren't cool you know <laughs> and um you know oh, yeah we, we were you know openly admitting that you know we were probably the kids you know that sat at the different lunch table and things like that and and 
but that's who we are and we bonded over those things and we have those special moments and playing D&D was just something that we could step out of our you know reality and just do something different and yeah that was my my very first character was just a just a random I don't even remember I think he just gave me the paper to be honest with you I don't even think um, I, I don't even think I rolled for anything and since we talked about your your first character you created, uh, who? What's your favorite character you created and used? More Drunken Blade. <laughs> uh, More Drunken Blade uh, came about in the mid '80s, um, probably would have to be before '85, so '83, '84. And More Drunken Blade was nothing more than a dwarven fighter, and how that name came about i have no idea because the only two names i've really ever used um, um is swift water jack um, which was a, a dwarf and more drunken blade um swift water jack has been long retired but more drunken blade lived on and he lived on into my uh, warhammer gaming experience as well as my general and that's just kind of who i've been i mean it's just this it's um and he's been through probably every iteration of D&D that's been out there. Um, have, have you, did he tra uh, traverse the different editions or have you played more uh, 5e uh, or did you bring him from, you know, you said 83, 84, was that, uh, I think that was 2e, like AD&D time period? Right. Um, I guess it's going to be, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't remember ever really playing 4th edition, um, or I just don't. Yeah, didn't um, miss much. Maybe did I. Super <laughs> dream. Um, and some of that period of time also, um, you know, I was overseas in the military and stuff like that, and it was just easier to, to continue on some characters um, and just play with the books that we had. Um, and most of that was going to be um ad and d um and, and things like that but you know 3.5 and then then fifth edition fifth edition let me describe myself as this as a dm as a, and as a player well most as a dm i play D, &D uh i call myself fifth edition modified <clears throat> and the way i the, the reason i say that is because i take iterations from my first experience from D&D &D into my fifth E um, and utilize those things because if they make sense to us within, an, within a campaign or within a setting um, and we can all agree at the table if these things make sense, let's just do it. Um, some of the restrictions, you know, that, that people, you know, say that D&D &D has or has not, I don't, I, don't, I don't buy into those restrictions. It's a fantasy universe created by us, generated by us, um these are not set in stone rules these are a set of rules that are are highly modifiable um and there's sometimes that yeah there's stuff that i do have to look up to maybe make a make it make sense you know faco things and, and different i have modules dating back <laughs> so long ago that i i have to go in and see what the current kind of iteration of a monster or something like that is but for the most part, if it makes sense in our universe, let's just do it. Oh yeah. Um, I'm currently in 
Yeah, I'm currently in uh, Faroon. I love Faroon. It's it, it's it's been there forever. You know, it's I love it. Um, but that um, we are in Forgotten Realms right now, or in that kind of genre. Yeah. No, that's that's great. That's yeah, I agree. We do we do a lot of the same things. If it makes sense, we tend to make it rules. We we make our own way through through that kind of stuff. Um, do you have a favorite project that you've worked on? Do you have a favorite piece of, of building or landscape that you've done that you really like super proud of and that you just love to death? Um, I think that for myself, um, a lot of my larger pieces, um, I find a very hard time selling because I get emotionally attached to them. Um, but the pieces that I'm most proud of, and, and we'll go back to, um, the Dread Gazebo. Um, the Dread Gazebo, most of the stuff I've been creating over, I don't know, the past six to seven months now have been kind of requests from individuals um, and oddball requests. And I love these oddball requests because I had stated in the video before when I was creating the Dread Gazebo, I had no idea what a Dread Gazebo was. And I've been playing forever in a decade and I just never heard the story of Eric and the Dread Gazebo. I don't know why, but it made sense to me. And then finding the picture that I did of it, I'm like, that's mine. I'm creating that. Um, but I think for the most part, I love my windmill, but stuff that I've had around for a long time. Um, I don't know if I, I just kind of get emotionally attached to all my, all my pieces. I don't know. that. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense completely. It does. That makes perfect sense since you created them that we're attached to them. Oh, speaking of which, um, what is your favorite? I was really curious. Um, what's your favorite like monster to to play in Dungeons and Dragons? Like, okay, so let let me introduce Bone Daddy. This is our our he's I, our horror guy. He he loves <laughs> monsters love and horror genre stuff. I mean, he is that's his wheelhouse and blood so, and gore and gore torture. And, yeah. <laughs> but mostly, I like monsters. So, <laughs> so tell me what your favorite monster is. Um, I think I think one of my favorite all-time monsters has to be a doppelganger or a form of doppelganger. Oh, I love um it. I just I just think that the way it comes across and the way I don't know. It just it, there's something about a doppelganger that just kind of brings things home sometimes, especially if it's in your party and you don't know about it. Um, we all know that yes, we're going to have some uh, interaction uh, with a monster that yes, we can readily identify that that is a bullet or that is uh, you know a green dragon or or something like that. But when it's one of your own party members some feelings get hurt sometimes um yeah especially when you, kill, when you kill the wrong iteration so. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> which i did which i have done um not even seven eight months ago i killed i personally killed the wrong guy so i wasn't dming it happened so okay with uh with with dming and uh playing for so long you know uh as thorin said we we've Accumulatively, we have about 30, 35 years of experience uh, and we've been playing for a while. And I've noticed that as as time has gone on and of course, you know, for one, we got older and we've matured a little bit, but we we kind of get tired of 
uh, starting a campaign in a tavern. You know, there's the 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 normal bar brawls and things, and and even right. starting with the the fade uh, into um, into a ship. Is there? Have you noticed with your play style or with your DMing style? Have you started to, uh, I guess, dabble into the more chaotic and crazy things, or is there a a home base for you in your DMing? Um, in a very generalized term, um, I created this small world called Questing Brook, and it's in between. It's about 150 miles up the coast from um, <clears throat> um, Candlekeep. And it's a relatively safe space. It's good. It's just a good working area to get players out of. Um, but that my last two campaigns I started, um, the first one, um, they actually experienced for about out of a three hour session, probably half that three hour session. Um, they were actually in a dream state um, as much, 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 much higher level characters. Um, they determined it was probably about 45 to 50 years. Um, I play currently in, um, uh, is it 1849? Anyway, uh, um, <clears throat> but they had determined they were about 45 or 50 years beyond, and they had wealth, they had shops, they had goods, they had all these things at their ex disposal, mm -hmm. um, but it was a glimpse of their future, basically, what it was waking up inside of a um it basically in a cell um my second my second group they're all brand new um to D, &D and i did start them off you meet in a tavern um, <laughs> that's awesome though i love yeah. brand new players they're so much fun yeah and, and it was great because they're all um you know boyfriend girlfriend brother sister they're all really closely knit and they play off each other and they bring in such these characters they bring in from their life experiences outside if they're fighting i'll know if they were fighting in the car before they got there i know that mm -hmm. how the game is going uh, to be yeah. because they'll be kind of fighting back and forth uh within the game and it's it's quite fun it's a good experience um and i've seen them over the past couple of months three months maybe um develop as characters and really like they love it i mean they they would follow me anywhere they love it that's awesome and and right before we get into we talked uh in the bonus content about an npc and we're gonna throw that to you um there's two questions that i love to ask and one is from a player standpoint and one from a, a story we were uh, that I'll, I'll save for the end but as a player or, or what kind of tip would you have for a brand new player coming into the game? You know, they're, it's, they they have at least enough knowledge to play the game. They've come to your table. What's something that you would advise for them to, to have the best enjoyable experience? Well, with all my new players, um, you know, there's there's always gonna be something said to sitting down with, with those individuals um, prior to the game. I don't make it overly complicated for them. I do have a small cheat sheet um, but I don't make it overly complicated for them. And I kind of roll that the first few times we're playing. But the main thing I think that I let them know is that don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to be the person that says, well, what do I see in the tavern? What? You know, don't take things for granted sometimes, but just open your mind up. And I 
try to relate those experiences to a place that they would be most familiar with. So if they're over 21 and they go to the local bar on a Friday night with their girlfriend or something like that, what are those experiences that you're having in there? Are you a single individual um, going into a bar? What would you really ask an individual? Because the fact of the matter is, is that <clears throat> if you walked up to a bartender in a bar, you're going to ask them for where the restroom is, where the, what drink, you know, what what you're having to drink, or maybe some kind of food. Those three kind of basic questions. You're not going to ask them. Well, I mean, you, 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 in game we do, but you know, what's the skinny? You know, what's the what's the the news around here? Um, so I kind of have them and give them direction to real life things, and we play off of that um, because a bartender that that doesn't know you isn't going to give you his social security card number, date of birth, full name, and the keys to his car. It's just never going to happen. Um, but ask questions. Just keep asking them. It's it, it. I don't mind. In fact, all of my players have my uh, my text, my personal um, email, um, and they know that they can text me or um, email me or not yeah, email me or text me at any time. And I get back to them as quickly as I can with mm -hmm. whatever question it is. It doesn't matter what the level of of what it is. That's um, awesome. I think that's important. That's something that I do. I just think it's important to keep in contact with them. Yeah, absolutely. And if, with your permission, I'd like to clip that for uh, TikTok, and I'll I'll tag you on that because that's a that's yeah. really good advice. Uh, and we we kind of started a a story weaver tip type thing. So that's getting the players to ask you questions is is really important. And I'm actually yeah. going to steal something from you just now. Uh, okay. That that you said that you know the bartender is not just going to give you their social security number. So. Uh, we talked about the NPC. Our NPC is going to be that gullible person that you walk right. up to the bar and say, "Hey, uh, what's your name? What's what's this? Uh, what's your job? You know, give me give me everything about you." Um, so he's going to be this this gullible person, um, and I'd like for you to pick um, your choice, either a name or the race slash species for the NPC um the name for oh let's go with um race because i um um or species uh of of the uh mpc um is for me i really like like half ogre or something like that okay. um um that battle hardened kind of i'm done with battling i own a bar now kind of a guy sure um maybe you know ex-barbarian a little bit lower intelligence um but has his wits about him and i would say a good name for him would probably be uh grug belt sniffer grug belt sniffer all right uh thorn give me <laughs> give me a give me a quirk for for grug belt sniffer okay so so grug belt sniffer has has a slight tick he he kind of kind of you know kicks his eye and every once in a while when he's, when he's talking, when he's making a drink, he just kind of, because he got hit really hard on that side of the head. And there, it's it's actually, if if he's got his hair cut short, you can see the divot where the club <laughs> actually connected with his skull. And But he, he likes to keep hair over it, but he forgets. So he cuts his hair really short and you can see it. Mm -hmm. So that that's a little little tick and, and a dent in his head. 
I love it. Uh, Bone Daddy. So we, we've got this gullible half-ogre, ex-barbarian bartender, Grug the Belt Sniffer. <laughs> with a dent inside of his head with a little tick in his eye. Uh, give us um, some kind of way to introduce the party. Give it give some kind of scenario where we're, you know, the party walks into the tavern and sees this guy. What What's the party doing? Um... The uh, party is uh, probably ordering drinks, and they um, and Greg's the help uh, creating them for him, and, and um, they're the. It's just the. It's like a party. You always have that one player in like a party whose like character is like a hot mess um, <laughs> sometimes, and it's just like in the character is just like. I'm not imagining the dent in his head, right? Like you see the dents in his head. <laughs> like you like like look, it kind of shines like right there. Like like it's like pointing it out like very obviously. And that's why it, and that's how they end up interacting with him, because he's just like, it's rude to stare. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Um and just to to wrap it up, can can you give us um some piece of information that he he really shouldn't have given the party, but you know, kind of like a la Harry Potter with with Hagrid and oh shouldn't have said that. Uh, what's what's that well, secret that he gives us? Um, <clears throat> while traversing back and forth um, throughout the patrons in the bar or at the bar, um, serving them whatever they're serving them, he happens to slide down a, a mug of ale, and attached to that mug of ale, unbeknownst to the character until they finish it all off, is a note. And that note just happens to give a location or meeting spot. Um, for what? We don't know until they go. <laughs> Oops. I love it. Oops. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Wrong thing. <laughs> oh, that's. You weren't looking for this? I'm sorry. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's great. Well, thank you uh, for helping with an NPC. Uh, I mean, that's. No that's what we love doing uh, especially you know like thorne said uh we do it for patreon once a week we get on and we kind of just do this round robin um just kind of to show story weavers and even players really it's kind of simple to make a uh, a player a player character or a non-player character that just has you know a simple it's your name the race the whatever role they have and then a, a quick backstory and the rest of it you're you're building in the campaign it, it you know you don't need you know I, I am i'm a writer as a story weaver and thorn likes to to shit on me a lot for it because i write just so much um and uh and i do not <laughs> at all yeah. oh i do ever <laughs> and so I, I end up you know oh here's my npc here's four pages of backstory that it's just for me you don't have to read it uh but you know i i have this thing and and thorn's like well i flipped a coin and uh i got this character so <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I write elaborate backstories and do research. I did when I get into my my own my personal pieces. So, yeah, it's uh, I mean it's fun for me. I guess I've run out of I I started doing audiobooks now because I just I can't sit down anymore to just read a book like I used to. You know, I when Harry Potter was coming out and and the Deathly Hallows, uh, you know, book seven came out, I read that book in three days. Now I look at it, I'm like, well, I could probably get a chapter in a day. I think I got enough time for that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <Somebody> <laughs> it's, like, <has> <laughs> it's, 
you sit down, you open the book, and then something happens, yeah. and you know, you, I have a six-year-old, so it's like, okay, well, I gotta go do, take care of her, and you know, it's like, but, uh, and that's, I guess that's where I get my fun is is writing these the campaigns and writing the player characters instead, uh, and just developing a, a backstory, and uh, it's always fun, and I'm sure you've you've had that experience too of just having that one npc that the group just falls in love with and you know we have we have one player raven uh that just adopts the randomest you don't uh, i it was a throwaway character that i had and suddenly it's part of the party and it's right. just the way it goes chaotic character there's always one yeah, yeah player yeah, that's, that's, raven. that's raven and she does that in real life too she adopts people <laughs> just the most random people yeah, we're running out of space. We're running out of closet space for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's close up. Let's ask that last question you got there, Illidine. Yeah. Uh, so the last question is uh, for the story weaver or the dungeon master side of things. Is if I'm just starting out, you know, the our party maybe we just wrapped up a a session or even a a campaign, and that dungeon master says, you know what, I'm I'm going to take a break. Somebody else take over. And you raise your hand, and, and you know I, I haven't I haven't DM'd before, but I'd like to give it a shot. What is that first thing that you're telling them? You know, hey, what it, this is what I would suggest when you're DMing. Use the use the experience from your past play. Um, um, I really <clears throat> the more games you can get in, um, and being a PC and taking those points from different uh, dungeon masters um, or GMs, if you can get those, um, you fill up your toolbox quite fast with with those things. Um, don't read the entire dungeon master's guide. You don't need to. Um, <laughs> um, read the entire player's handbook because that's where they're going to be quoting everything out of. Mm -hmm. um, and and I prefer a hardbound copy of, of it. Um, I know a lot of people have it on their um, laptop or their phone or something like that. I always suggest get a hardbound copy um, of, play, of the player's handbook. And during your uh, session zero, make sure that you're taking a look at if you have any spellcasters or somebody with weird abilities or something that you don't quite understand. Understand it, talk through them with it, and make those notes for you in uh, you know in the sideboard of the player's handbook or on a scratch piece of paper. Um, and don't be afraid to fail. Um, especially if you're brand new. Nobody knows everything. I don't know everything. But the ability to improvise on the fly is something that will only come with time. We are not all Matt Mercer. We will never be <laughs> Matt Mercer. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is, is that there are things from certain individuals that I've taken and put it in my toolbox. Here's my toolbox. Call me anytime you need help. Right. And I love that you, you said that, especially because, you know, the Matt Mercer effect is a very real thing uh, in our yes. in our community. Um, and by more content creators saying, you know, we're not all Matt Mercer, you know, it's it's good to hear uh, over and over again, because uh, if you're listening as, as an audience member, you know, Matt Mercer is paid to be Matt Mercer. You know, we yeah. everyone else who's DMing we have one maybe two jobs you know this is our our hobby whereas matt mercer right. this is this is his life this is where he makes his money and so he has right. to know you know the the dmg and and the player's handbook you know 
pretty much to the letter. But one thing that people don't understand and, and forget about with Matt Mercer is that especially now with Critical Role as big as it is, they've got a team of rules lawyers behind Matt Mercer yep. that Matt Mercer yep. will say, hey, I need to know this. They go to a commercial break and then they they know all of a sudden, you know, there's four guys researching really fast and can tell Matt, you know, very quickly. Whereas us, we're like, okay, hold on, let me pause the game for a second. I have to go to, you know, whatever, page 36 for the sorcerers, you know, and, and look at your spells because I, I just can't remember everything. And that's... It's it's good that uh, I like hearing you say that it, it's a good thing to to remember, um, and the last the very last question before I give it to uh, Bone Daddy and Thorn to see if they have anything um, is when when we're playing the game uh, and you're you're gonna play uh, let's say I'm looking up at my books here um, the horde of the dragon queen um okay. when we're playing that module um are you word to word this is the module this is all that's going to happen or do you kind of stray away okay good can you elaborate on that um yeah i think that um there are certain even you know i utilize <clears throat> um a lot of the information that's out there and starting off playing uh dungeons and dragons we all we had i mean there were people creating kind of their own kind of things i probably created a few of my own kind of little dungeons and things like that but we all just sucked up anything tsr was putting out um and when a new module was released you could bet that if we had finished a module that was the next one we were playing um but as time has gone by what I find myself use, utilizing them for is I take the overall premise and principle and I also um, modify it to our needs. And depending on what that is, it doesn't matter what, you know, it could be anything, you know, Tomb of Horrors, it could be anything, um, you know, uh, adventure to uh, Great Barrier Peaks or something like that. I mean, it could be anything, but you modify it. And I, I utilize the core aspect of that and kind of try to stay true to that. But there's always going to be room for me to um, kind of fudge the rules a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I don't follow any module to the letter. I, I can't. I don't have that much patience. I like to get into my own creativity and I fly off the hip for almost everything I do. So it's it's going to be, you know, rolling as it goes. Um, I don't really have another question. What I what I would like you to do though is just tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can find your um, your social medias and your your artwork. I, I really want them to know. Yeah, um, for right now, um, I've had a, a keep in mind, and I think I've mentioned this before um, to many people is that I didn't have any kind of a social media footprint. Um, until October of 2022, so three or four months ago. Um, I did not, I mean, I had a Facebook and I had, a, you know, um, a YouTube, so I could go onto YouTube and, and watch things, um, but I wasn't posting or doing anything like that. And it was only through the prompting of my players and friends and individuals to say, hey, you gotta get your stuff out there and watch, let people like it. And I said, well, I'm, you know, I build stuff for different individuals. Um, I went on to, I stream on, um, uh, it's Drunken Blade 13, um, as I'm streaming on Twitch. 
Um, and then YouTube, that's More Drunken Blade. And then the 8th of December, 2022, um, and technically it was really the 22nd, was the first time I think I posted anything onto um, uh, TikTok. And I found my home. Um, that was the one thing that was really hard for me to do, being new into the social media kind of aspect. And, and I'm older, you know, than most of those people that kind of start those things. And I didn't wasn't really getting into it. And I wasn't having very many followers and things like that. And I'm just kind of putting things out there for fun. Uh, once I discovered TikTok um, in the community within TikTok, that's my primary um, place where I post everything now. Um, but yeah, I haven't been on. This is... I haven't even been on two months yet. Um, so um, the response from them has really excited me uh, to the point where I'm like actively creating even more and more outrageous things that are sitting on my table, you know, and to reveal to the world um, just because it's fun. Um, yeah, my main is always, I think right now is going to be TikTok for, for quite some time. Um, just had a good reaction. I, I love I love the audience there. Nice. That's awesome. We're slowly finding a home in TikTok as well, so we're slowly getting there eventually. <laughs> Very slowly. Well, I, just, slowly. I just thought, I mean, being as old as I am, I just thought TikTok, I mean, my experience with TikTok was people doing dances and things like that and, and funny skits and things. I didn't know that there was a community um, and the community that is there. I didn't know that community existed. Um, and when I posted something, I think it was, like I said, the 22nd of December, I mean, I woke up to the biggest Christmas gift I could ever wake up to and literally was like, you know, I was a little teary eyed, you know, um, and with just within a, you know, I don't look at you know, how many followers I have that the only thing I looked at for followers was that I knew that I could go live once I got to a thousand followers. And as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, my God, I've got another way to show this stuff and and just see what other people want to do and and create. That's awesome. And we're glad that you're on TikTok because it's a, we found you. And we're glad we're able to watch your videos. They bring me tons of joy to watch. So. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm flooding I'm flooding stuff out next week. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually don't have another question. Um, but although I did have I did have earlier I had a, I had a question about um, like terrain building, um, yes. where uh, if somebody was looking to pick up um terrain building where's a good place for them to start i'm sorry i didn't catch the very last part oh, where's a good place for them to start like if they just wanted to if they wanted to start building their own terrain uh where's a good place for them to start um as far as picking up ideas and stuff like that um i think because of the length of videos um youtube um is a great place to look I do um, find myself in the middle of the road with YouTube only because um, for individuals that are just starting out building terrain, the biggest difficulty they're going to have um, with a lot of the videos um, on there is that they don't have tens of thousands of dollars or five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars worth of this fancy equipment. And neither do I. And that was one of the things that I really wanted to show people is that you don't have to have all this fancy CAD equipment and, and printers and all this stuff to create. What you create is art within itself, no matter what it looks like. So if all you're putting down is a cardboard box 
or an empty milk crate that you painted brown, that's awesome because that's exactly where I started. Um, and I try to give the tips and tricks to get you to the next level with basic things that you can find within your house or from the Dollar Tree. Um, yeah, I pick up things that are more expensive. I, I was given a gift of a Proxon cutter machine, which changed my life. But the fact of the matter is, is that I've achieved most of everything that I do um, just with my two hands um, and just a willingness to just try. That's awesome. You just have fun with it. You don't need a ton of money to build terrain. You just don't. It's just time consuming. And that's what the people, I think, really, you know, everybody's printing everything now. Everything is 3D printed. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing like having an original piece of art. And that's, I think, everything I do is an original piece of art. So, yeah. And that is the best way I could ever think of to wrap up an episode for us. Um, so again, I appreciate you for coming on. We all do. Um, and for the listeners out there, make sure that you go uh, check out those links for more Drunken Blade. We will have in the, the description list uh, all of your links so that people can find you there. Um, and Thank with that, uh, guys, check your dungeons because this dungeon is occupied. What's up, Weavers of the Realm? As always, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you haven't already, click that like button and subscribe or follow us on your chosen platforms. It goes a long way to help us grow. Uh, and if you liked the intro music that we just used, it was made with the help of The Hobby Hub on YouTube and Saturn Imaging Production Company. Uh, also, if you want exclusive content like NPC of the Week, Discord access, and behind the scenes, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash thisdungeonisoccupiedpodcast. And of course, the link to our merch store, social medias, and all the other podcast uh, platforms are available on our link tree in the show notes. Good luck in your games, steal everything, and have fun.